right, guys. Welcome to the Courageous Warrior Ministry Podcast. This is the first podcast with the first devotional that we're going to do. Um, now, before we get into that, though, let me talk to you about what Courageous Warrior Ministries is. is. Uh, kind of let you know what we're looking at, what we're trying to do. So here at Courageous Warrior Ministries, we identified a growing problem in our world. Biblical masculinity is under attack. Who culture says we're supposed to be as men differs greatly from what God says that we're supposed to be. So we know that as men, Satan tries to seek and destroy our souls. God doesn't want the, or God wants the the men of God to unite, but Satan is scared of that. And because of that, we don't want to back down from that. That's not something we ever want to do. And so Courageous Warrior Ministries is seeking to build up the masculine spirit in men, biblically speaking, to carry on to the next step. Uh, so with me today, I've got two of our board members, uh, very good friends of mine. They're awesome guys. First minute you two is Brandon Baca. Say hi, Brandon. Hi, everybody. And the second is my friend, Josh Schwarza. What's up? Uh, today, we're going to be diving into a devotional that we published here this week. And this, this podcast kind of goes hand in hand with that devotional. So if you've read the devotional to this point, you know that we're talking about the full armor of God. So uh, first things, guys, um, when we talk about the full armor of God, what is it that comes to mind? I mean, I know we've, we've studied this study. We've had this devotional. So you guys have seen it and you kind of cheated to this point, if you will. But uh, before we really deep dove into the full armor of God, before we wrote the material for this, what was your thought about the full armor of God? Well, uh, for me on a personal note, the, the armor of God, when we're talking about that, you know, study aside and just life experiences, I spent 10 years in the army as an infantryman, you know, every day before we went on patrol, the first thing we did before we left the wire, we was check, we would check our gear for, you know, defects, you know, make sure we had everything that we needed to accomplish whatever our mission was for that day. So you know, we would check our, our Kevlar helmets, you know, or make sure that they're serviceable, you know, we would go ahead and check our uh, plate carriers, you know, make sure that they would work, make sure that they actually have their plates. We check our plates, make sure there's no cracks in the plates, because if there's a crack in that plate inside the plate carrier, you get shot, that bullet's just going to go right through that crack. It's the, the plate's not going to do its job. And then we'd also check our ammunition, you know, our weapons, make sure we have our night vision in case, you know, we happen to be out later than we expected and it gets dark. You know, it, the, the, the full armor of God, what I envision it is, really, it's just like the American soldier but we have to start the day off checking it and make sure, you know, that we're wearing it and make sure that we're wearing it without defect. Brandon, what about you? Josh said it best, honestly. And, and that's why I wanted him to go first is, is talking about that armor, putting it on and knowing what it means that it is a life or death situation. You know, it's the same way in the spiritual realm. When we wake up in the morning, that needs to be the first thing we do is get on our knees and start praying to God and put on that first set of armor. Um, to not let a minute go by without making sure that we have that protection around us. Um, you know, and then we talk about leaving the, leaving the house, leaving our family behind and everything else. They need that protection from us as, as husbands, as fathers, you know, that needs to be one of our top priorities before we even leave the house to make sure that they have that as well, that covering. Um, so yeah, full armor to me is, is just making sure that you, you have that covering over you in the spiritual realm as, as well as the, the physical. So what you're saying is, is that the full armor of God is not the nursery story and the cool pictures on the wall that we teach our preschoolers, right? No, I mean, absolutely not. I mean, 
here we go with the armor of God, you know, we're not talking about this just as a preschool setting. We are in an actual battle. It's not in a, in a physical sense like we are in Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria right now. It is a spiritual sense, but it is the same concept. You know, we have to be prepared for when we make contact to be able to return fire and also take up a defensive position. So, uh, before we go any farther, I want to talk about the scripture, the actual scripture associated with this. So we're all kind of talking apples and apples. So I'm going to read, uh, this is from Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Uh, I believe it's the NIV version. I don't have it wrote down in my paper, but if not, it'll be close enough to the NIV version. So here we go. Verse 10, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So I want to break this down a little bit, kind of verse by verse, sort of like we did with the devotional. Um, day one in the devotional, the, the scripture covered the first, four verses. It was 6, 10 through 13. It said, again, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the, in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. So what does that scripture say to you guys? I mean, I know this isn't the actual, the actual armor of God itself, but what does that scripture say to you in preparation for that armor of God? I love how it says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. It doesn't say if the devil's going to give schemes. It's warning you. It's pre-warning you that you are going to be under attack daily, that you're going to have these things coming against you daily. So it says, stand against the devil's schemes. Make sure you have it on so that you can stand against those. You know, I don't really think I could say it much better than Brandon just did. I mean, we have to be going forward every day expecting that contact will be made, that, you know, the devil's going to come against us. He's going to use our weaknesses against us. You know, so preparation to uh, counter that is vital, and that's what the armor of God is. That's one thing I've noticed in my life is there's so many battles around us that are going on and we're so quick, especially as men to see the, the sinner and not the sin itself, you know, and, and we got to realize that we are in a battle against, you know, in a spiritual battle, not against uh, flesh and blood. So therefore, if, if someone cuts you off on the way to work, it's not that person, you know, I mean, not saying that that's a major sin. Yeah. But I mean, couldn't you say though, that this is worse? Because you're not just talking about oh, yeah. an earthly body. You're talking about eternity at stake here. Absolutely. Absolutely. With that said, I mean, you you see those struggles coming on, though. I mean, it is something 
because it doesn't just start with the major sin. It doesn't start with something, you know, um, uh, completely devastating and everything else. It starts by opening that door. So, okay, we, we go back to someone cutting you off in traffic. Okay, you you bow down to what they they do, and when I say bow down, I mean you you give in to to the wrong way to react to something. You just open the door. You, you just decide a little to give bit. them the bird. Yeah, there you yeah. go. And uh, you know, so you open that door just a little bit. Well, then something else happens. You get to work, and and your boss says something that irritates you, and so you react to that in the wrong way, and uh, tell him to go take a flying leap. And so then you just open the door even more and then a little more and then you get home. And, and by this point, your, your whole day is shot because this, 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 Daddy, and that have happened. And then your kid comes along or, or, you know, your beautiful bride comes along and says the, the wrong thing at the wrong time that just totally, you know, so you see this just cascade of things just kind of build up and build up. Well, then next thing you know, you're, you're going in the opposite direction completely. And now you're, you're so engulfed in, in what's gone wrong and, and being in this dark place in your life that you didn't even see it come on. And why? Because you didn't put on that full armor of God first thing in the morning when he first got up. You know, and it doesn't even have to be that major. It could just be that person that cut you off in traffic. You decide to give him the bird and that, that's the end of the, you know, the things that go wrong that day. But what you're failing to recognize is you have the sticker for whatever church you attend on the back of your car. You know, it, that's just that something small that Satan used to get in there to get in there and ruin your witness. That's why I put your guys' church sticker in the back of my truck, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So uh, what you guys are describing, though, is the, the humanly condition, right? It's, it's, the, it's the condition as men that, that we all have, but we fail to address, if you will. I mean, nobody wants to talk about their problems. Nobody wants to talk about is spiritual war going on around us because there's real war going around and, and there's, and there's, I got bigger problems than the spiritual war going on. But I think a lot of times we do our best as men to uh, downgrade the crisis going on around us, right? We try our best to denigrate the, the, the issues because if we don't have issues, then we can be like everyone else. But the truth is everyone else has issues too, right? I mean, everybody else is fighting these same battles. Well, when we're talking about that, you know, we- there's just about, and every time that we've talked, Will, about things we've struggled with in our past or that we still struggle with, you know, it's, it amazes me the commonality in our struggles. And that's based on the fact that we are both males, you know. We both have an X and a Y chromosome. You know, so it's almost essentially pre-programmed in our DNA that there's certain things that we're going to be drawn to. Uh, but the thing is, when it comes to those struggles, you know, we try to ignore them by saying, oh, well, I'm doing this, but I'm not over here with this guy, you know, injecting heroin in my veins. You know, and we try to justify what we put as a lesser sin when all oh, actually it is, is it doesn't matter what we've done. We're all on the same playing field, playing level with God, in God's eyes. You're absolutely right. And for those of you who couldn't see, Josh was not pointing at me when he mentioned about the guy shooting up heroin. So we should be good there, too. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so the first the section of scripture here, and what we cover on day one in this devotional is is truly about just preparing yourself, right? Being ready, understanding that there is a battle coming, that we've got to get ready for that battle. Without acknowledging that that battle exists, we've already lost this individual battle, right? I mean, we know the the, the war belongs to Christ, the war belongs to God, so we can't lose the war, but we certainly can lose battles. I mean, you've seen it all throughout history. 
I mean, I, I would almost say daily I'm falling somewhere, you know, and it's only by the grace of God that I get lifted up every day and, you know, and I'm able to start anew. But, I mean, we're talking on a spiritual plane here where we need to be ready for battle. You know, and, and if we're not, if we don't put on that armor of God, you know, that kill shot, you know, for our spiritual lives could come just, you know, in a blink of an eye. You know, what was a problem yesterday that God delivered you out of, if you fail to put on the armor of God to defend yourself and prepare yourself for the day, that sin that you thought was years behind you, all of a sudden it's your present. You know, so that's how important the armor of God is on a spiritual level. So uh, we kind of talked about the preparation and, and and why, right? But let's start actually talking about the actual armor itself. Um, so in day two, we covered Ephesians 6, 14, the first half of the verse. It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Brandon, my biblical scholar, my best friend here in the room. I'm just kidding, Josh. <laughs> oh, uh, hey, hey, you know what? I used to be great when it came to biblical knowledge, but then I fell away from Christ and I'm in the middle of rebuilding the knowledge, so I will let you have that. Oh, I was talking about and the best. I will remain your best friend. Yeah, I was talking about the best friend part. Uh, hey, well, I know that was a lie, so that doesn't bother me. So, <laughs> Brandon, talk to me about the belt of truth. Talk to me what that means to you when you hear belt of truth. The belt of truth, I, I believe, is when when they're speaking about it. The best thing I've ever been told is is that with the belt of truth, you can't you can't minister to others if it's built on a lie. I can't speak to somebody about something I'm going through. It, it, I guess the best way I can I can describe it is it says, you know, don't worry about someone else's splinter in their eye while you still have a plank in your own. I believe that goes right along with what they're saying here with the belt of truth. If I have things going on, I need to be able to go to my brother and I need to be able to confess those things to him and let him know that, hey, I have I have struggles going on. Um, you know, you also hear in the Bible where it talks about where, where a man and a woman should never or a man should never go to bed without, um, with anger still on his heart, you know? And in that said, it's, it's kind of the same thing. If I wake up that morning, I'm like, Oh Lord, please be with me today. I need your strength. I need your healing. I need this. I need that. And, and God's saying, well, you still haven't asked me for forgiveness for this. Yes. He forgives our sins, but there's some, there's power in that confessing with our lips. Hey Lord, I fell short last night. I fell short yesterday. I need your help today to be a stronger man today. Um, does that answer your question there, Will, as far as that goes? Yeah. I mean, you, you, I, I think you're, you're tiptoeing around where I was going with this. Uh, the, the belt is such an important piece, right? And I, it's, it's weird that, I mean, you think about when you get dressed in the morning that the belt starts as the final piece to tie everything together, right? Absolutely. But here, with all this, it starts as the first piece because of the importance of the truth of the gospel, of the message of Christ, of, of all of God. God's work and everything God's ordained, the belt of truth ties the entire thing together. Absolutely. Absolutely. And starting here with it first, I think it's because God wants to set a tone here in the scripture that it doesn't matter if, if you have all this other piece of armor, if you don't have the belt of truth to be buckled around your waist, all the rest of it's worthless. It's going to fall off of you. Absolutely. So would you almost say that's one of the most key things? I mean, that's what holds your shield on and in, in the, the Roman days and everything, it was one of the things that held everything together. It's what held your sword up. It's what held your breastplate on. It's what, I mean, kept everything connected together. You know, when it talked about, you know, uh, uh, wrap up your, your, what is this word? I don't want to get that wrong on recording here, but uh, 
basically wrap up your tunic and, and to be able to run and be able to battle and things like that. That's what they tucked it into was the belt of truth, you know, and, and to have that as your, almost your foundation as, as we'd say. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'm right with you. And I, I think that understanding that the, the importance of that belt, I mean, when I, when I look at myself, right. When I look at myself in the morning, when I get dressed, I'll take off out the house, uh, without my belt of, uh, need, not belt of truth, but belt of need, in my own outfit, uh, my pants fall down, my outfit falls apart. And so without my simple belt of personal need, I know that I can't even face the day with what I'm wearing. So I really understand the, the, the piece of armor here and how important it is for the belt of truth to tie everything together. Oh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that, you know, without my belt, my pants are on my ankles. And not only that, you know, everybody that knows me knows that I carry, Without my belt, I have no place for my holster. I have no place to put my pistol. You know, and that's just something that's vital. You know, if, if I, that, that's a piece of equipment that I judge that I have to have every day. But if I don't put the belt on, I can't carry my weapon. And I'm going to be tripping because my pants are going to be around my, my ankles. I mean, it's that simple. Now there's, the the next piece, and I don't know if you guys got anything more on the belt. You- one one more thing here, Will, that I was noticing is, you know, there's been so many times where people have been hurt by by false witnessing and and uh, uh, false testimony and things along those lines. And what the Bible really says, and don't get me wrong, I'm not a complete biblical scholar by no means, but the fact is that I know if something's said to me, I can I can basically line it up with what the word says. I know if someone comes to me and says, "Hey, wait a minute." You know, the Bible says, thus saith the Lord, and I can say, wait a minute, it also says this. And having that that basis to to be able to, to, that foundation to go off of, um, you know, I think that's why it's so important to have that truth, not just inside of ourselves, but also to know what the word is, to know that truth that's inside of us. And it comes with what we'll talk about here shortly also. I agree. So, um and I don't, I definitely certainly don't want to, to denigrate that point because we're going to get deeper into that point as we keep going here. Um, but understanding the, the, the place from which truth comes from and what actual truth is, why it's so important to be what holds everything else together. And for us, if, if you're wondering, just in case you're not 100% sure what we're talking about, the truth is found in the Bible. We know that the gospel is 100% accurate. We know the gospel is 100% correct. We know that there is no part of, of scripture that contradicts one another, which is crazy to think that even with, you know, all these different authors and everything else that, that you would have a book that big put together that wouldn't ever have any contradiction in it. Uh, that, I mean, the only way you can ever say is that it's inspired by God. So completely God, God breathed and God lived. So moving on to the next piece here, it talks about, with the, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Now, I, I want to define what righteousness is, and I know that I did this on, on day three, but I think it's important to understand what righteousness is. Now, as a early Christian, and as a Christian a year or two ago, I, not even that early in my Christian walk, um, I struggled with the idea of righteousness because it's not something that I can comprehend. It's not something that I can reach out and touch, and we talk about righteousness all the time, and I think there's a lot of men who probably struggle with understanding what righteousness is. So I want to give you the definition of righteousness. What the actual Oxford Dictionary definition is, righteousness is defined as the quality of being morally right or justifiable. 
again, even with that definition, it still doesn't make 100% sense to me. Thank God that, <laughs> that God is God and he understands what complete righteousness is. But when I, when I kind of hear about the breastplate of righteousness, I think of a couple different things. The, the first thing I think of is what is a breastplate used for? In all actuality, it's used to protect your lungs and your heart, right? Your heart probably being the most important. I mean, you can live with a, with a punctured lung. You can't live with a punctured heart. So uh, it is very important for protecting the heart. Now, if you have an unrighteous heart or a heart that is not morally right and justifiable, you got a problem. So the, the breastplate of righteousness is truly protecting your heart in my mind with the righteousness of God, because none of us are righteous. None of us are perfect. None of us are anything like that. Um, all the morals that we possess as men come from God. There's no other place that they can originate from. So uh, guys, talk to me about what you guys think when, when, when we're talking about the breastplate of righteousness and just any other thoughts that you have on this, on this topic. If you uh, will. The, the breastplate of righteousness, you know, this is an easy thing for me to understand, you know, maybe not necessarily the whole concept of righteousness itself, but as far as what the breastplate did uh, in the army, like I've mentioned earlier, our plate carrier, you know, that we wore on our missions, you know, it held the, the, our plates in place, you know, that covered all of our vitals, it covered our heart, covered the lungs, covered the liver, you know, essentially the vital area that would almost instantly kill you if you were shot there. And when you look at it, you know, in the sense of the Roman soldier, it essentially covered the breastplate covered from the neck down to the waist. And that way, whenever the enemy forces that they were going for, uh, going against, you know, they fired their arrows, their spears, or the swords, you know, if it would make contact with that area, the concept is that breastplate is going to deflect, you know, that weapon away from the vitals. And where we come with that in a spiritual sense, you know, Satan's going to be throwing things at us. He's going to be throwing those arrows at us, you know, in the form of temptations, you know, the, the common thing that men struggle with is going to throw that, you know, that dart at you, you know, for pornography or looking at that other woman that's, you know, that, you, that lives across the street from me that's not your wife. Um, he's going to look, throw that dart for jealousy. Oh, your neighbor just got a new boat. Holy crap, that'd be nice to have. And what this breastplate does of righteousness, it helps deflect those darts and it helps us recognize that temptation that's be thrown that's being thrown at us, and I'm I'm with you. So I'm gonna cheat and go ahead a little bit here. Um, we're we're not leaving this topic, but because of something you just said, I wanna I wanna cover two points at once here. So um, day five, which is the next day, it says in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So I'm with you. Um, a flaming arrow to the chest sounds extremely painful. And when they wrote this, they're talking about the flaming arrows of the evil one. They're talking about the things like temptation, like lust, like all of the, all of the conditions of, of the flesh, if you will. Um, so I'm with you. Like, I don't want to take a flame arrow to the chest. And when I, when I see the illusion of, 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 of what the evil one can throw at us, I understand exactly what you're talking about because Every arrow that's launched, your shield's not going to catch every one of them. No, no. And that's why when you look at it as a whole, you know, back to where we started out, you know, looking at the whole armor of God, it is a full system. 
designed as a catch-all so that way if it makes it past one piece of the system there's something else there that can that could catch that arrow and deflect it away from you you know it's not just an individual piece of armor it is a whole suit and ultimately like as a warrior right when you are rushing into battle on a on a roman battlefield back in the day if you will or i mean even current battle a shot to the heart that makes it to the heart is going to be the death of you that will be the end of you um, spiritually speaking, a soured heart, if you will, as a man, someone who just completely shuts off from the gospel, shuts off from the truth that God is trying to give us and gives into those flaming arrows to the heart. That's going to be maybe not the death of them spiritually, but it's going to be what furthers them and divides them from that heart of God. So these two concepts put together, the idea of the, of the shield of faith, to knock down those, those flaming arrows that are coming at you, but ultimately the, the breastplate of righteousness to be the final, God's righteousness to be the final protection of your heart is such an important thing. I mean, I think it's absolutely awesome. Well, you think about it this way. The shield was meant to withstand the heavy blows. Okay, the, they say the breastplate of, of righteousness here because the breastplate, you're going face on, head on into a battle. You know, you should have your brothers next to you watching your back. The enemy's not, he doesn't need to come behind you. God's behind you. He stands with you. He stands behind you. But the fact is that the enemy's going to be coming straight on. But if he knows if he can get in past that shield, if he can, if he can wear you down, I'd like to say it just like it is here. You know, I mean, just like a strategic boxer, you know, I mean, it's, it's not the, the headshots. You're not going for the headshots the whole time. You're wearing that body down. You're, you're, you're beating them down little by little. The, the breastplate's meant to withstand those those little hits, you know, time and time and time again. But it's not meant to to take that full-on blow like the shield, which we'll get into here shortly. But it it it, it it's to keep those little little things, like you said, those little temptations, those little those little temptations from across the street or or from over here or from over there, you know, um, on a daily basis. That's what that breastplate's for to guard that chest, get to guard that that center mass if i if i could say so you know and as we're talking about the breastplate the, the breastplate of righteousness uh and wearing it you know I, I think it's also important to recognize what that looks like you know what what is the breastplate of righteousness uh and i think it's goes surrounding yourself with fellow believers uh getting yourself involved with bible studies getting yourself involved with a heavy prayer life you know going to church and just completely losing yourself in worship to God, you know, and, and finding that one person, you know, preferably finding that group of men that you can just trust with anything you're going through. It's a, you know, to be able to walk up to and say, Hey, I'm facing this huge temptation. There's just this really good looking girl across the street. She's been talking to me and, you know, there's that temptation to, to, take that relationship further than I should, you know, being a married man, we need to find those, com- that, those Christians that we're comfortable with to have those conversations with so that they can help keep us in check. So, and I want to, I know you said we're going to get to it eventually. We're going to get to it now. We'll, we'll come back to the, the feet fitted part, uh, which is also super important. I'm not trying to skip over it, but while we're talking about the, the shield of faith. So I'm a big movie buff. Um, I've talked about, I talked about this at the conference we had. I talked about this at, the churches we travel to, um, the armor of God is like really important to me. It's really cool to me. Uh, the idea of putting on the, the armor to go fight and battle. So in this movie, uh, called 300, which is one of my favorite movies, 
Um, Horrible movie. Yeah, it's it it it's it's a good it's a good movie, Josh. It's a good movie. Uh, Watch Black Hawk Down. Okay, but but for this illustration, for this purpose, three hundred is perfect because there's a scene in three hundred where the three hundred warriors, and at this point they've cut loose a bunch of warriors, so there's less than three hundred. There might be seventy five or sixty five or fifty five. I don't know what the exact numbers were, but at this moment they stand in front of the Persian army and. They're kind of laughing at the Persians because they're not scared of them. They're outnumbered. They're outgunned. They don't care. Like they they know that they're well prepared for this fight and 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 they're ready to go. So they're standing there and they're kind of laughing and they hear like this buzzing sound in the air <laughs> and they realize, oh, there's a bunch of arrows coming down at us. And it, to the point in the movie, it makes the illustration of, of blacking out the sunlight because there's so many numerous arrows, which I can absolutely see. If you got that many arrows shot at you, I can see how it would just kind of cloud out the sunlight. So. What these guys do, to your point, is instead of them being like, uh-oh, we got to run, they don't run. What they do is, is they kneel down in battle formation and they all raise their shields up. Together. Yeah, together. And they link shields together, side to side, over each other's face, over each other's head. They form this big protective cocoon over all their guys. And as these arrows rain down, they're just sitting there laughing because they're like, we know this isn't going to be effective because we have this shield that's taken the brunt of all of it. And because we've got our brothers surrounded us to where we know that not a single one of these arrows is going to get by. Side note, that's completely true. When you're in battle and like, you know, you get bullets or artillery running around around you. If you're on the front lines, you're kind of just laughing at it. It's all you can do. It's fun. <laughs> you're sick. <laughs> but I, I, that's a great, great analogy though. It really is when they, when they do that turtle shell in battle, Nothing can penetrate it. You know, if you got brothers to the back, to the front, to the sides, above you, behind you, everything else, the enemy can't can't get in that same way. You know, that's what I love about having this group of brothers that we have to be able to surround yourself. I know that at any given time I can get a phone call, but I can also give a phone call saying, hey, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. And I'm not going to be judged by it because all that does to, to another man is just basically tell him, yeah, you are a failure. You didn't just fail. You you're now a failure also, but to have that band of brothers to hold that up and know that the enemy has no power over us. So in shameless promo for a series we've got coming up on lust, um, a lot of times the flaming arrows that are discussed here are very difficult. They're difficult to discern. They're difficult to understand. You look at a situation and some nice cashier lady uh, gave you a smile and kind of flirted with you, or you think kind of flirted with you. I don't get that as much as you guys. I'm sorry. Well, you're better looking than me, so I figured you probably would. You mean you are the best looking guy here, Brandon? So, but these little these little things can kind of send your mind off on a tangent uh, toward destructive behaviors, and it's not just it's not just sexual things that we that we lust after, and, and the enemy knows that the enemy likes to throw all these arrows of temptation at us in the form of, of things that we may desire, things that we may lust after. Absolutely. He's been doing it for decades. I mean, centuries, whatever you want to say, he's been doing it forever. He knows that, hey, Will, I know that this, this little thing right here will open the door for something bigger if you allow it. But hey, Josh, I know that this thing, it's not the same thing as his thing, but I know it'll open the door for you also, for the enemy to walk in and, and just kick down the door in some sense. Oh, I, I mean... When you look throughout the Bible, so many characters, you know, where there was just that small thing 
that all of a sudden led to a big thing. You know, and one person that we're going to address numerous times through numerous studies is King David. You know, this is a guy, he lusted after power, he lusted after women, and he chased those things numerous times. But in the end of it, you know, when he realized he screwed up, the great thing is, is he went back to God and it wasn't God saying, you know what, that's the last time, you know, we're done. God said, hey, you know what, we're, we're going to have to deal with the repercussions of your sins, but I still love you. Welcome back home. And I, I love that you're talking about, David. Um, uh, welcome to the CWM podcast where we go off the rails because that's where we're headed. Uh, we love the, you know, the whole story of David, yes. every, every one of us. So I, I love the fact that you brought up David here because um, when I think of all the stuff that happened around David and, and again, shameless plug, we're going to dive into this more on our, on our podcast on the series about lust. But when I think of all the, all the situations that happened around David, what would have happened if he had a community of men around him to lock shields and raise those shields with him? Given things put, might not put, have put, happened. Put another man of God on that rooftop of the palace with him. Yeah, when Bathsheba absolutely. was on the other side of the city bathing. What would have happened in that situation? Hey, David, man, look over here. What I mean, his his top spiritual consultant, he wasn't that far away. He easily could have gone and talked to the priest. Or if he would have confided in him and talked to him about it and let him know, hey, man, this is kind of what I'm thinking and this is where I'm going and this is where the enemy's affecting my brain and I'm about to run off on this tangent. Uh, I really feel like Nathan would have just turned around and smacked him in the back of the head and said, hey, dummy. I was just about to say, let's make this a little more personal. What if we were sitting on the beach fishing together, say Lake Texoma, all three of us. That sounds really nice right about now. We should definitely plan that trip. <laughs> yeah, especially standing since on, snakes are starting to hibernate. You know, it works. Absolutely, absolutely. For, for the three of us to be sitting on, on the, the lake shore there or on a dock and a boat full of girls comes by, I drink real quick non-alcoholic they're quietly and stare or we're one of us going to be like hey why don't we go get something to drink real quick non-alcoholic um you know i mean let's go start the grill let's go you know hey let's go figure out something else to do real quick or hey let's just pray real quick you know not a single one of us in this group and, and i know quite a few other guys that would join with us on this that it wouldn't be that type of you know temptation we wouldn't allow that temptation if i seen one of you guys staring a little longer than we need to hey guys let's go ahead and pray real quick because I would know what's going through your head at that very moment, because we are still flesh. I mean, as much as we love our wives dearly, okay, but there is still that thing there that, that you know, I mean, as, as men, the enemy knows what kind of temptations are out there. And if we don't prepare for that before we even go there, there's, there's that possibility of it happening, you know, but that's where you got to have those men to stand strong with you on those rooftops. So, uh, this is fantastic conversation. I, I love where this is going. Um, but I'm going to cut it off because we got a whole podcast coming up on this, on this series of lust. Um, and I want to finish where we're going with, with the armor of God. Yeah, so, yeah let's get back on topic yeah, here. Well, welcome to the CWM podcast where we love to go off the rails. So I'm still fishing at Lake Texoma. Yeah, I'm with you. So hey, they're about to start trout, uh, stocking the Blue River with trout. Just throwing that out there. So the one that we skipped over, it says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So um, when I hear about this, I think of a couple of different things. I think about, I like to run and I work. In I don't know why. Field. Yeah. Well, I, I enjoy it, but I, I like to run. I like to work in the oil field. 
some days. Um, I like to play outside with my kids. Um, if I showed up to work with flip-flops on in an environment where pretty much anything in the world can smash my toes, uh, that would not be a good situation. If I show up to go on a run with a pair of steel toe boots, doable, but I'm probably going to have blisters and things like that over, over the long term. Uh, so when I hear the scripture, the, the, the things that pop out to me is having your feet fitted with the readiness. You can't be ready if your feet aren't prepared to take you where they've got to take you. And if your feet aren't ready, then there's no amount of gospel of peace that you can spread, that you can make disciples from if your feet aren't willing to, ter- to, to take you and carry you there. I, I had the pleasure of seeing like what these, what these Roman sandals look like and the spikes that were underneath them. You're talking almost two inch spikes underneath these. And there is a reason for it. You know, when they lock shields, it's one thing. If you got the enemy pushing at you, our shields locked or not, if he starts pushing on us and we have no grip to stand on, nothing to push back with, nothing to stop us from sliding backwards, we're going right off that cliff in 300 or, or any, any of the other things we're talking about here. But that was why it was so incredibly important to have the right gear there, to be able to stand firm. When it says stand, well, we can't stand if we're slipping and sliding in some flip-flops. They weren't just your your average sandals out there. You know, they were they were equipped with huge teeth on the bottom of them so that they could push back when the enemy pushed on them. You know, we look at the, the modern equivalency of what the sandal was to the Roman soldier. Then we look at now what we have with the American uh, soldier and the American Marine wearing in, in our combat boots. They're designed to have that ankle support that's able to carry you and whatever gear you happen to be carrying onto that battlefield, you know, to give you a, a good ankle support so you're not rolling your ankle and, you know, ended up falling back and becoming a liability to the, your other troops. You know, and you, you need those, the, the proper footwear to carry you to the battle. You know, so that way you can get in the battle if your brother's getting pushed around. You know, if that temptation's coming at him, you know, you need to be able to have that proper footwear so you can get in that battle and help him out and help protect him. So, and then um, for time's sake, kind of moving along here, the last two pieces that, that we haven't covered yet are the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. So the helmet of salvation... um, when I think of the helmet of salvation, I think of putting on that helmet uh, like the old Roman-esque warrior outfits. Uh, what I kind of think about is the importance of protecting your brain. As a, as a Christian, how important it is to protect the things that, that float around in your brain, if you will. Uh, there's a lot of our lives, if we're willing to seriously have this conversation as men, there's a lot of our lives that doesn't ever come outside of our head that we wouldn't be proud of if it ever was spoke. Cause we think a lot of things and protecting those thoughts. If we don't, it's something that the enemy will use against us. Uh, allowing ourselves to, to have a negative thought life, a thought life that is not God promoting God uh, chasing after will ultimately lead to to deception, to destruction, to all of these nasty, evil things that we don't want to be a part of. 
Well, when we look at like the the helmet, and you know, I'll also look at the sword of the the spirit. You know, the last two pieces of equipment that we really haven't talked about yet. <coughs> Sorry about that. Uh, the, the helmet of salvation. Uh, again, I'm just going to draw back on my experiences as an infantryman. You know, we have the advanced combat helmet, which is the uh, the helmet that we wear nowadays in the United States Army. The fact is, is that helmet works. I have friends who have had. 762 rounds deflected off of that helmet. You know, it rang their dome a little bit, you know, gave them a concussion, but they're still alive today because of that piece of equipment. You know, so it, that is a very, very, very important piece of everything, you know, and it's not something to be taken lightly. And then when you get the sword of the spirit, um, and, it, and it's, if you look at everything that's mentioned, notice that this is the only offensive piece of equipment that's mentioned. Yeah, and I was going to go there too. You know, and what that is, it's it's the Bible. And we're gonna, we've talked before earlier in the pod in the, the podcast about knowing the Word of God. Right here, the offensive weapon is the Bible, and you need to get into it so that way when those darts come back at you, those arrows come at you, you've got all your defensive equipment, you've got that breastplate, you've got that shield, you've got that helmet that's covering you, but it does you no good. If after you go ahead and take the advantage of the fight and you, and you turn it around, it does you no good if you have no way to go on the offensive. So uh, I'm going to kind of throw this out here to you guys, and I think maybe individually we've probably talked about this, but have you ever really stopped to consider that all of this armor that you would put on, the, the full armor of God, there's nothing that protects your back. There is nothing out of the armor of God that protects you from the back. Why is that? Because when the fight's going on, as a Christian man, as a warrior of God, you're not called to turn and run. Absolutely. Uh, well, and not only that, when you look at the whole way the Roman army was structured, there was no need to cover your back because you already had, you know, a fellow soldier that was covering your back. There's no need for that to be protected because somebody else was protecting it for you. And that goes back to what we were just talking about a couple minutes ago about having, you know, those fellow believers that you can trust in, you know, that like Brandon said that, you know, not only that, you know, you know, will call on you, but that you can call on them in a moment of temptation to cover your back. And I just, just think of the implications of that though. Like, so you've got this full armor suit and ideally if you were designing your own suit of armor for a battle, you would design power it. armor from Fallout Three. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> at at very least you would design it with with total three hundred sixty degree coverage, right? Because you don't know what the situation is going to be. You may have to turn and run and retreat at some point if you're in a battle. Any battle, I don't care what it is. But in this battle, in the spiritual battle, there's no room for retreat. The minute you turn your back and you start to retreat. All those flaming arrows that your that your shield of faith was catching, and that that uh, that breastplate of righteousness were knocking down if they made it through, you have no more protection. So as you're running away, the enemy doesn't stop launching the arrows; they just start hitting and they start getting home and they start penetrating what it was that you were trying to protect. So let me ask you, Will, why would you run? Is it because you'd be scared? I mean, is is that why most men turn and run? Is that why we we tend to to you know, uh, uh, fall short in areas and stuff like that. We, we start to surrender and retreat right away. I mean, if, if we were to, I mean, I, I, to answer my own question there, I believe that a lot of people, they get in this fear factor that, that 
oh, the enemy's too strong or the world around me is too, too influential. And, and, uh, I, I just have too much pressure and there's too much going on and, and life's just chaotic and everything else. Let me go ahead and just turn and run to what I'm comfortable in. Or do we rely on God and, and know that he's our strength in that? So I, to just to kind of give you my thoughts on this, and then I'm going to, I'm going to let Josh elaborate his too. But, um, what I think the biggest problem that men face is that there's uncertainty and that there is a comfort zone that we all love to live in. And when we're faced with any battle against the enemy, the enemy is very skilled. If we're being honest, if we're being candid and, and, and sitting here having this conversation with a group of guys, the enemy is, a, is Satan is a very skilled adversary. He preys on your emotions he tries to get you to believe the lies that come from him. And at the end of the day, if, if he can convince you that the battle isn't actually won, that the war is not won, well, then that puts fear in your heart. Now, if you were just practical saying, if you were on the street and you were walking down the sidewalk and a bank was getting robbed, okay, you're both packing, you both reach for your guns. But... There's a lot of men who would see that situation in not knowing what the outcome could be, they would turn and run. Or they would seek help from somewhere else where they feel like there's more power or more ability to, to ensure that the, the victory is going to come, right? But what men forget is that the war has already been won. That we serve a commander-in-chief in Jesus Christ who's undefeated, He's gone to the cross. He's won the war. We face these individual little battles, but if we follow the prescribed battle plan that our commander-in-chief has come up with, we can't lose the battle even. So men get stuck in this comfort zone, and they're unafraid of what's coming. And then when the battle presents itself, they're like, oh, crap, I got to turn and run because I don't know if I'm going to win this. I don't know if I'm strong enough. Well, to go back to the original question of why do we turn and run? Well, it's because like Will was saying, you know, we're facing a skilled adversary. You know, he's not going to start out, you know, on a full press, you know, launching everything at us. He's going to throw a shot at us here, throw an arrow at us over here, you know, to put us on edge. So by the time that the full battle starts, we're already wore out. So why are we going to turn and run? We're, we're worn down. You know, we, we look over here and see our comfort zone. It's like, you know what? I'm just going to run over there. I'm going to take some rest, you know, and I'll try to pick up the battle another day. But by the time we get there, you know, that battle's already been lost because we failed to, as Will said, follow the prescribed battle plan, you know. And then uh, to go further into what the the sword is uh really quick i'm going to read this from hebrews 4 verse 12 for the word of god is alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirits joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart so right here we see how important you know the sword is and when we get tired and we want to turn and run we got to remember we still have that offensive weapon we're still protected by all the armor now we've got that offensive weapon. We can go ahead and start moving forward and we can be victorious through Jesus Christ. We 
this this hits very very close to home on this part here, and I'm glad you used that scripture. Um, this weekend we had the opportunity to be at an event that was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and one everyone kept asking me what how did it go? How you know what was it like? And this that and the other. And all I can say is it was incredible. But what I really noticed that was incredible is you seen extreme brokenness, but you also seen you seen that extreme brokenness, but you also seen hope with it as well. And I started looking around and I started talking with a lot of people at the park and, and noticed that the reason a lot of these people were broken is because they didn't know the word. They didn't understand that they had a weapon, that they, they could learn this thing. You know, we gave out free Bibles and things like that through a great ministry. Um, and seeing these people pick up that Bible for the first time, or they could say, Hey, I, I know I heard that somewhere, but I don't know where it's at. Well, let me, let me show you where it's at. Let me walk you through that. You know, I mean, you notice the difference between those that were broken from not knowing and not having that sword, not having, having that offensive weapon. And then you've seen some out there that are going through just as much struggle. So, I mean, I, I can't stress enough in the last two months, I've been more busy and uncertain in my life than I ever have been. You know, I mean, through the different ministries, fostering this, that, and the other, there's so many uncertainties right now. Like I just found out a really good friend is going to New Mexico tomorrow. And, and that was a little hard on us, Will. Um, but it's, you know, I mean, there's so much uncertainty, but I could rely on the weapons that God gave me because I knew that his word was there. I knew that he was with me. I know what his word says about this situation, about that situation, about that situation. And that's what gives us that hope. That's what gives us that, that power in the battle. So um, I'm going to start trying to kind of wrap this up because we're, we're going pretty long. But uh, No, that's I, good. Yeah. I mean, this is fantastic stuff. And I, and I hope that everybody listening to this is, is getting good information from this, that, that they're able to maybe expound upon what, what their idea of the, the armor of God truly is. So um, I just want to kind of take a couple of thoughts here and, and start to begin to close this out. But I, I, guys, I want you to understand, and through this podcast, we're speaking to men uh, because we're a men's ministry, that's that's what we do. But I mean, this isn't limited to to just. And, men. and to expand on that real quick, uh, we are a men's ministry that's built by laymen. None of us are ordained pastors. You know, a couple of us, you know, might eventually get there or are on our way there already. But uh, we're, we're just men who have a heart for God. And uh, with this ministry, one of the things that we're trying to do is we're trying to encourage men. We're trying to build men up. We're trying to to reinstill that biblical sense of masculinity and purpose that so many men just don't understand or they're missing it. And not having that leads them down a, a, a road that is destructive, not only for themselves, but for their families. Um, so when we talk about the armor of God, we're not talking about the preschool story. We're not talking about the the cute little things that, that your kids bring home from Sunday school and they cut out and it's this little piece and that little piece. We're talking about real applicable uh, covering, defensive covering against the enemy for the spiritual battles that you are facing right this second. And I promise you that if, if you're going through a spiritual battle, that there's another one coming. So even if you're on the downside of this one, there's another one coming. The enemy doesn't rest. He's got a battle plan that's designed to try to wear you down, as Josh was saying earlier. He's got a battle plan that, that has the intent of essentially making you too tired to fight. Because if he can make you too tired to fight, 
then there is no opposition for him. And he gets to ride in and he hopes you turn and run and then he can sink those flaming arrows of lust and temptation and desire and everything else into your back and destroy your family and destroy your your walk with Christ and ultimately your witness and your ability to proclaim the name of Jesus. So guys, as, as we're wrapping this up, take time at the end of this to think about the armor of God. Envision yourself putting on that armor daily, not just, okay, well, I put it on one time and my armor is nice and shiny. You got to understand when you go to war, your armor is going to get dented. It's going to get beat up. It's going to get bloody. You still got to put it on tomorrow. So you may have to come home that evening and beat the snot out of it and make it so it fits again and clean the blood off it. But guess what? Tomorrow you got to put that armor back on. Get back to base. You got to check over everything and fix any deficiencies and get ready for the next fight. So, guys, as we as we begin to wrap this up, I, I want you to envision yourself putting this on daily. And at the end of the day, when you get back after your battles, I want you to recount those battles. Figure out where it was that your armor maybe lets you down slightly on the day because you didn't have it prepared in the, in the proper place or, or ready for the proper attack that was coming. We've got to change the way that we approach the battle with the enemy, and it starts with the armor of God. Guys, do you got any, any closing thoughts on this before we, uh, before we call, it a, call it a wrap here? Well, uh, first off, if anybody, if you haven't had the chance to go ahead and look at the study that uh, was published, uh, we'll have it uh, put on our Facebook page. Go ahead and look at the study, partake in it. It's a seven-day study, just one week. You know, you take 20 minutes out of your day every every day, either in the morning before you go to work or as soon as you get home or right before you go to bed. You know, just I, w- I would encourage you to take the time to go ahead and look at the study and not only look at our study, but go ahead and, you know, balance it off the Bible. You know, just don't take our word for, for anything that we're saying on the podcast or in the studies, get in the word and study it yourself, get into your church and, you know, question your pastors, you know, go ahead and just get the, the, the full press on for studying and getting in the word and finding out what's in there. I just like to encourage you guys, um, as we go over all this, it's, the best way for me to say it is in the morning when you guys are getting ready for work or if you guys work a night shift, just before you leave the house, visualize putting on that armor, every step of it. You know, I mean, my morning will start off as I hit the hit my knees to the floor and, and start off in prayer. That's the first basis to starting this whole process off in the morning. But as as you um, after you shower or however you decide to do it, as you're putting on your clothes, as you're putting on those work boots, as you're putting on that belt and, you know, putting on the rest of your gear. Ask God to do those things for you. Um, I highly recommend you get a motorcycle so that you could put on that helmet as you're getting on there. I mean, it just helps me out personally quite a bit. But just visualize these things, you guys, as you go through it. Pick up that Bible. Don't just leave it by your bed. Take it with you. Take it with you to work, you know, wherever you're going. And and just have it with you. So when those opportunities do arise, that you can pull it up. I know a lot of us have it on our phones now. You know, that makes it a little easy to carry with us. Um, just to be able to have those words with you on a regular basis is is going to be what what gives you the the win in the battle each day. And I want to I want to remind everybody as we're closing this out that none of the armor of God is designed to protect your back. And I, I really want that to be a point that we hammer home. You're not called to turn and run from the fight. Never, ever run from the enemy. Don't give him that free shot. Don't give him that free advantage. 
engage him, attack him, move forward. Be the courageous warrior that God has called you to be under the understanding that the battle belongs to the Lord and that ultimately the war has already been won. Thank you for joining us today for the Courageous Warrior Ministry podcast on the armor of God. We love you. We praise God for you. We thank you for being part of our ministry, whether you're here or not. Amen. Well, 